My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody with all my being. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great above the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Those are the first five verses of Psalm 108, which along with Psalm 107, verses 33 to 43, are the psalms appointed for today, Saturday, June the 26th, 2021. I'm John Green, and I'm the host of Faith Thinking Understanding. Thanks for being with me today. And we're still in the books of First Samuel and in Acts and in the Gospel according to Luke. And so we've been looking at what does it look like when, when Israel rejects God as their king, but what does it also then look like as, if we, the people of God now, reject him as our king? And we can reject him as king and still follow him for what he's done for us. But but what we have to do is put him back on the throne in our lives. Because if we don't, then, then we're, we've got our priorities wrong. So long as he is not king of our lives, as long as, as we don't recognize that relationship as being the primary relationship and serving him and then serving those who are created in his image, as long as we're serving ourselves, then we're failing to fulfill the first two commandments. So what are we looking for? And and what are we doing? What what are, what are our hopes? Where are our hearts? Because Jesus says that wherever your treasure is, your heart's there. And so here we get in this passage from First Samuel, we get a little bit of a backdrop because what we were told in yesterday's lesson, we were told about Saul and his servant showing up uh, in Zuf and being told that Samuel would be there. Remember, they were looking for for donkeys that had gone astray from uh, Saul's father Kish, and so he sent Saul and the servant to go look for him. And so we were told yesterday about the arrival in Zuf, where Samuel was located at that time. And so then we get the backstory. And the backstory is this. Now the day before Samuel came, the Saul came, sorry, the Lord had revealed to Samuel, tomorrow about this time I'll send to you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. He'll save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I've seen my people, because their cry has come to me. And so that's Exodus language. I have seen my people, their cry has come to me. And that's exactly what what happens in the Exodus. The cry of the people came before the Lord, and he acted on behalf of his people because of his great love for them. Their, Their cry of Egyptian slavery. Here it's the Philistines who are more or less enslaving the people of Israel and harassing them all the time. So... When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord told him, Here's the man of whom I spoke to you. He it is who shall restrain my people. And so he's going to restore peace in the land, supposedly, at least from the Philistines. And that's exactly what he was told that he would do. He would save my people from the hand of the Philistines. That that whole thing is, is is he going to give them rest no he's just going to save them from the philistines he has a very particular and specific job and does he do it well david has as much to do that as he did remember because david's the one who defeats the philistine champion goliath and jonathan had a lot to do with it as well but saul was the commander over these things for a season of time and so saul approached samuel in the gate and said can you tell me where is the house of the seer samuel answered saul i'm the seer 
Go up now before me to the high place, for today you shall eat with me. And in the morning I'll let you go, and I'll tell you all that's on my mind. As for the donkeys, they were lost three days ago. Don't set your mind on them. They've been found. And for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? Is it not for you and all your father's house? I mean, that's some that's some weird stuff. You know, the first part of it's fine. Go on up there and, and to the high place ahead of me, and you'll eat with me tonight. Tomorrow I'll send you on your way. And I'll tell you all that's on my mind. Well, that that's sort of um, something that causes my ears to perk up and me to wonder what in the world you might be talking about. And then he tells him about the donkey. So he has authenticated himself in the eyes of Saul as a seer because he knew what the problem was. He knew what it was that it brought Saul to him. And he tells him, this is okay. Everything's all right. They've been found. And then, he, then this weird thing he says at the last, and for whom is it all that is desirable in Israel? Is it not for you and all your father's house? What does that mean? Why'd you say that? What do you mean everything everything that's desirable is for me? And Saul said, am, am I not a Benjamite from the least of the tribes of Israel? And isn't my clan the humblest of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? I mean, I'm the lowest of the low here. I'm, the, I'm from the smallest tribe and the smallest clan within that tribe. Why then have you spoken to me this way? Well, remember that Hannah in her prayer when when she was praying in the temple, asking God to give her Samuel, her prayer was is that, that it was a reversal of all things. It's the same thing that Mary prays for, is the upside-down nature of God's kingdom. That the things that, that look appealing and look great in the world are actually not as important as the things that are small and humble in the world. And remember, it says that Moses was the most humble man on earth. And so Saul is, is definitely perplexed by what he's been told here. So Samuel takes Saul and the young man. They take him to the dinner. There's 30 people about there. And so then Samuel says, bring the portion I gave you, which I said to you, put it aside. So there's this, this stuff that's been saved for the one who was to come, even though he didn't know who it was that was to come. So, so they did. And they bring these things before Saul. And they say, see, what was kept is set before you. Eat it. Eat, because it was kept for you until the hour appointed that you might eat with the guests. In other words, I knew you were coming. And I asked them to leave this choice portion to the side so that it would be here when you, Saul, came and ate with these guests. He didn't know his name prior to that. He just knew he was coming and knew that it was important. So he ate with him, and then they prepared a place for him on the roof of the house, and he came down, lay down to sleep. And then in the morning, at daybreak, Samuel calls to Saul on the roof, up that I may send you on your way. So Saul arose, and both he and Samuel went into the street. And as they were going to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said, Tell the servant to pass on before us. And when he has passed on, stop here yourself for a while, that I may make known to you the word of God. So I'm going to tell you everything that's on my mind. But you've got to send your servant on ahead. This is going to be done a little bit in secret. And so he, he does that, and then he takes a flask of oil, and pours it on Saul's head and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be a prince over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you'll save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this will be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. So the sign will come later, just exactly the way it did with Moses, because Moses asked for a sign that these things would work out okay when he went back to Egypt. But God said, You'll worship me here on this mountain. That's the sign. When you come back, you'll worship right here. And it's the same here. Saul tells him, what, or Samuel tells him what will happen, and then says, that'll be the sign. 
that the Lord has anointed you. When when the people want you to do that and you've delivered them from, the, from their enemies, that'll be the sign that the Lord has anointed you. That it wasn't me that anointed you ultimately. It was God that anointed you. And that's when it'll come and that's what it'll look like. It, it's 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 got to be confusing for Saul to go back home having had this private little uh, audience with Samuel and all the things that Samuel says, it's, it's, it's got to be as confusing as it was for Mary to hear the voice of the Lord telling her how she was going to get pregnant and all that. And, and so, it, but it's a private matter at this point. It's not a public matter. And then, then we go from there to the gospel and Jesus is alone with the Father. And then an angel comes because Jesus is praying and he's weeping and, and his sweat is pouring off of him like great drops of blood. But he tells the disciples first, um, out at the Mount of Olives, hey, you all go over there, but pray that you don't enter into temptation. What is that temptation? What is it that Jesus is warning them about? What do they need to be careful about here? But they seem to know something. So it, he's, he prays to the Father and say, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. He knows what's coming. He knows what's ahead. And he doesn't want to go through that suffering. It's, it's not the way that he would rather have this happen. But, but he says, nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. He's resigned himself in love to the Father that no matter what, he is obedient to the Father. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven strengthening him. Remember yesterday in the lesson that Peter was told that after he had repented, that he would be there to strengthen his brothers. And so he's to encourage them and to tell them the truth. You're strengthened when truth is spoken. Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And then when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, while you're sleeping, rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. And remember later, after the resurrection, we're going to hear that some people disbelieved for joy. So here, they're sleeping from sorrow. So that they've, they've got the knowledge of what Jesus has said and they're heartbroken over that fact. And then while he was still speaking to them, there came a crowd and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to kiss Jesus, but Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Seriously? That's how you're going to betray me? The man that I kiss? And so... And those who were around him saw what would follow, and they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus says, no more of this. And he touched his ear and he healed him. So the, the servant of the high priest, the one who's going to be trying Jesus, the one who was sent there to arrest him, is injured in this mess, and Jesus stops everything and heals that man. He knows who this is. He knows what's going to happen next, but, but he would heal that man in that moment. Can you imagine being the servant of the high priest who's, who just had this happen, who is healed by Jesus, his ear restored to him, and his hearing along with it, and now he's going to stand, and he's going to be in the household of the high priest while this ridiculous kangaroo court trial is happening, and he's going to be standing there, and you can see him constantly, right? just reaching up and touching that ear and thinking, did that really happen? That man right there, the one they're saying is a false prophet, the one they say is a false messiah, that man just did the most extraordinary thing I've ever seen in my life. 
how painful and difficult it must have been for him to watch what an unfolds over the next 24 hours. Unbelievable that Jesus would have done that. But clearly, again, this proves that he hadn't intended for them to take up the sword at all, not even in his defense. No, that's not how this is going to go down. He's going to go submitted. Fully submitted. Not fighting it. Not doing it. He's already done that. He has already dealt with the one who's in charge of this whole situation. But in, in, in that moment, what we see is Jesus is fully in control of the situation. He could have done almost anything there that you could imagine to change that entire situation. He had the power to do that. But instead, what he did was he healed one of those who came to arrest him that day. He's being rejected again. They're doing what they do because it's what we do. Because we have something else in mind that we would rather have, something preference of our own. And that's exactly the point that Stephen's going to continue to make here. That After 40 years had passed where Moses is out tending the flock of his father, so now he's 80 years old, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. And he saw it and was amazed and he drew near to look and then came the voice of the Lord. I'm the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he trembled and did not dare look. And then the Lord told him, I've seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their groaning and I've come down to deliver them. And now, come, I will send you to Egypt. And then Moses did lead them out in accordance with the word of the Lord. And they were in the wilderness for 40 years and he did signs and wonders in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness. And then Moses said, God's going to raise up a prophet like me from among your brothers. And there's this amazing thing coming. And then he says, our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside. And in their hearts turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, up, make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who led us out of the land of Egypt, we don't even know what's become of him. They rejected him. They, they believed that he had died. They, they were moving on. And they wanted him, Aaron, to do something useful for them, which was make gods who will go before us. They're not replacing God there. They're replacing Moses, the one who would come before the Lord. They're afraid to come to the Lord. And Moses now may have died as well by coming into um, the presence of God. So they made a calf and offered a sacrifice and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. And God turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heaven in that moment. He's been rejected as well. Because when you reject God's anointed and appointed representative, then you rejected God as well. It's not easy. This Christian life is not easy. It requires us to constantly examine ourselves and constantly check ourselves that, that we are enthroning Him day by day. It's easy for us to get bitter because we don't have the things that we would like to have. We don't have the position we would like to have. Somebody else has something we should have, right? We're coveting what our neighbors have, and we're not appreciating what we do have. That's a root of covetousness is ungratefulness. Not being thankful for what you have, not recognizing who we really are. I don't deserve anything. I mean, literally, I don't deserve anything. I deserve to die because of my sins in front of a holy God. But instead, he's given me so much, it's unbelievable. And I'm not good at being thankful. 
It doesn't come naturally to me. It's not who I am, typically. I, I have to work at it. God has to remind me by the power of the Holy Spirit constantly that I need to be thankful. And why does he do that? Is it because he needs me to give him thanks? No, it's because I need to give him thanks. I need to remember his works and all the things that he has done for me so that I can then be satisfied in him. And that's the goal of all things, is to be satisfied in him and take delight in him rather than everything else.